0: Our U.S. military and military veterans are our country's greatest assets, but service comes with a price. Post-traumatic stress is our enemy, and our mission today is Operation Healing Heroes. Brought to you by Great Clips.
1: Hey, everyone. It's Jay Garstecki. Welcome to another edition of the Operation Healing Heroes podcast, where we document the lives of our U.S. military veterans one story at a time. In addition, we provide resources for veterans and their family members who might be struggling with post-traumatic stress, so they can get the help that they absolutely deserve. Also, be sure to check out our TV show, Operation Healing Heroes, on Discovery Channel, Waypoint TV, wired to fish TV, Amazon Prime, and YouTube. Join me today as we feature Matthew Landis, a United States Air Force veteran who spent four years active duty and then an additional three years in the Air
0: Force Reserves. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's going to be great. And by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com.
1: And welcome back to the show. Hey, uh, Matthew, nice to, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, good morning, Jason. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, buddy. Doing well. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. I appreciate it.
2: I really appreciate you having me, Jason. Very kind of you to ask me.
1: Hey, it's my honor, buddy. It's my honor. So just real quick, okay. I want to just give our our listeners an overview. Um, you were in the Air Force from 1989 to 1993. And again, Uh, From 2007 to 2009 as a reservist, Um, you were a civil engineer and an HVAC specialist in the military. In addition, you uh, completed the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail, twice. Uh, It's a 2,653 miles in length, and it spans into California, Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia and Canada, um, not only did you do it once, you did it twice. That's a pretty amazing <laughs> accomplishment. So I want to talk about that towards the end of the podcast. But um, really, if you don't mind, I just wanted to start out by uh, having you tell us a little bit about life growing up. And where did you grow up? What was life like? Siblings? That type of thing.
2: Yeah, sure, man. I, 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 again, I really appreciate you. And before I, um, before I start, I just want to share with you that one of the uh, things I do kind of struggle with is I did have a traumatic brain injury when uh in 2014 actually so if i'm saying something and I, and all of a sudden i just feel free to punch in and go hey man you're you're a little off base here so no I don't mind worries that. So brother
1: hey that's <laughs> th- thank you for sharing that but you know what yeah. uh, nobody judges on this podcast man it's uh right we, on we appreciate, appreciate you it. taking the time to share the stories brother
2: yes yes sir so i'm from um i am from new york i was uh born in uh, 1969 i 53 um, I grew up just north of New York City in a, a, a rather rough, rough neighborhood. Um, to be straight up with you, I, I'm just going to tell you like it is. Um, tell you exactly the, the raw truth of some things that happened to me that I, I wasn't aware of mentally that did, that affected me at my early in, in childhood. That happened to me that would that would show up later in life down the road. And so I'm just going to come out and just tell you that there were some things in childhood that to this day that still, um, I still work on. And, um, but I, I grew up uh, in an abusive family. Um, the best way to kind of say it is it was, it was alcoholism fractured um, decades of my family. And I, I, being the oldest of three, I had two, a brother and sister. Um, by the age of nine, I was, my mom had left my stepdad and raised three kids in New York city by herself. in the, in the, in the seventies, wow. I mean, she was a tough woman. So we actually grew up right. We moved from the city upstate to right by the West point military Academy and the West point military Academy was my first real exposure to military life. And, um, that was that made a major impact i believe just uh being a grown up as a teenager and playing basketball and going up to west point just seeing these cadets i was always always inspired like they had their stuff together mm-hmm. yeah. but um childhood trauma i buried it very very well man i i even before the military i started uh, uh drinking um Shortly after I joined and it, that's when it got real well, you know, the party life, the excessive life. And I, uh I really honestly didn't pay attention to my abuse until um years later when it started to come down the road. So childhood for me, um, you know, when I look back at it now, I, I can see that 53, I can see the things that happened to me that, that I buried just because back in 1970s, man, we buried mental health. We mm-hmm. didn't talk about it. Yep. You know? so i buried it and you know for for decades and i buried it with drug abuse alcohol abuse man and it, it, it got to the point where i lost everything and we can get to that later um but my childhood was uh, both uh rough and a blessing and by the blessing part i mean that i had and i'm I'm gonna tell you right now man if i get emotional on this podcast I'm a, I, I was born in july i'm a cancer I get emotional. I'm proud of it. I cry. <laughs> I'm the same,
1: same dude. We are cut from the same cloth. I'm the exact same. Okay, way, cool. So Feel free to be as emotional as you want, man. Yeah. I, I don't judge no, at all no. because I, I, yeah. I can't keep it together. And I've also, you know, when I film my TV show, it's it's so hard to listen to some of these stories when, especially when they're breaking down and then I'm breaking down. I get it, the question all the time, like, "How do you keep it together?" I'm like, "I don't. <laughs> I don't." That's the answer. I yeah. don't, and nor should I. You know what I mean? It's we're humans. Right. We feel emotions. Yeah.
2: Well, I appreciate that. That makes me feel comfortable. So, I can, you know, comfortably say that, uh, you know, I, I, um, I, I was I was blessed to have the 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 greatest grandpa. I think that you could possibly have. So his name was Edward Mike, World War II Navy vet. He was on a submarine destroyer, the USS Natchez. They blew up a, a Japanese sub during World War II, and he raised me when my dads were out of the picture. Now my mom was raising the three us. He took me under his wing and taught me how to love people cool. and how to accept love from people. What it felt like, what it, what it looked like and felt like, not, not being said, I love you. He would actually like pick me up on his back and take me across the river to go fishing. And he, at three years old, he made a major, major influence on my life, uh, impact on my life. And when I boil it down I say, well, what kind of an impact did he make? Love he taught me love he's the only person in my life in my childhood that that introduced me to what it would be like if if i didn't felt like i had just slipped through the cracks of life you know and wow. um but yeah being a navy vet he was a very quiet man you know when he spoke he was the type that when he came into the room people would people would listen he very the words he shared were of of wisdom uh-huh. you know he he was a quiet depression era very very great gracious man always opened the door for my nana always always was first up the escalator you know uh on the way down sorry and then on the way up behind her treated her i mean he treated my nana like she was just the greatest thing on earth you know I love it. he taught me how how to just say yes ma'am and no man before i even was in the military and what that meant you know respect respect you know but i mean i i I, I struggle with that. You know, I struggle with respect. I had, I really didn't have any idea before the military of what, uh, <laughs> authority meant, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 never really got into trouble. Um, I wound up actually, I, I wound up going to, um, Springfield college. I got a basketball scholarship and I played basketball for Springfield college in uh, 1988. And because of this th- th- now looking back, some of this childhood trauma just came roaring into my life right in college before the military and I was i was dropped out of, I dropped out of school within the first year i was already I was down in Florida on spring break, and I met this guy at this apartment complex who was wearing a blue military uniform driving a new car with a nice apartment. He had like good looking chick girlfriends mm-hmm. he was living on the beaches <laughs> He goes, he he's talking to me one day, he was like, why don't you join the Air Force? I was like, no, I am joining the Air Force, I'm a basketball player. You know, he's like, well, you can, you can join and, uh, you can play for a base team or something like that. So I looked into it. I was like, maybe I went and just took the ass, baths, I was, I scored well enough and sure enough, I, my recruiter played a real good, <laughs> a real good move on me and, uh, had it sound like, uh, basketball was a, a very, very good possibility to play for a base team and, uh, long story short, what? In basic training, we, 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 while I was in basic training, we began bob, we were bomb, bombing, we went to war with Iraq hmm. and the basketball thing was gone. It was out the window. Yeah, <laughs> so good. they put me, yeah. So they put me into civil engineering, but I hope that kind of gives a, a small yeah, example of.
1: Absolutely. How- um, I know that you had mentioned that um, a stepfather, um, did you have any form of, uh, of a relationship with your, with your father?
2: No, so my dad um was actually a United States Navy veteran that um when I was nineteen uh I lost him mm. and to this day to be, be Jason, um it was called suicide, um but I know he had a really, really heavy uh problem with addiction mm. and I uh sadly don't know the details um of, of of his death I've off and on kind of pursued it. I even thought of going to the VA and uh, I just kind of, I don't know if mentally I'm prepared to do that, you mm-hmm, know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but so when my, when my father was out to picture, my mom remarried and, uh, and it's, how old uh, were you then? I was three,
1: three. Okay. So
2: my mom, my mom and my dad broke up when I was nine months old. There was an incident to be straight up with you one night that he got abusive and it was with me. And at nine months old, we walk, he, uh, he did a little number on me and put me in the hospital. Oh, man. So my mom, yeah. So my mom found out about it that night. She come home, and here I am in bed and not moving. And so she took me to the hospital. I was kind of in a, almost like a coma. They said just, I had these ribbed, uh, K, the bed marks on the side of my face, so they weren't sure what he did, you know, but he did something. It was traumatic. I don't remember it, but it still affects me, but it certainly Affected my mother enough to up and leave him. This is like a year after they got married, not even. Hmm. She bounces leaves him and remarries, and this guy, and he winds up being an alcoholic and uh, yeah, abusive, like real bad. That's when the abuse started.
1: Is it possible that your dad, uh, being a a veteran himself, had severe PTS or anything like that? I mean, was he deployed, do you know?
2: You know, I don't know. I know he was on one of the very first nuclear submarines. Hmm. So to me, if... I don't care where you are in a nuclear submarine, it's a deployment.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And again, please understand, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it or make excuses for, for a father who is abusive by any means, but um, I, oh, I've no, heard I of s- stories where veterans have blacked out on airplanes and taken on air marshals and flight attendants and woke up and doesn't even remember doing it. You know what I mean? So those are the stories wow. that are, unfortunately, they're real. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where... You know, PTS is real, and we're going to talk about it later. But um, you know, yes, but that being said, uh, I certainly am not trying to make any excuses for for anybody who is physically abusive to anyone. But that being said, you also, um, I'm I'm not quick to judge anymore, right? You we used to, you know, we're. We live in a society where everybody's pretty quick to judge. You go to a restaurant, a kid's screaming, and parents uh, aren't doing much about it. And you know, we're sitting there whispering underneath our breaths that oh, they can't control their kids, or if that was my kid, I'd do this or that, or they'd never act like right? that in public. But the reality is, is you don't know, man. You've never walked a day in their shoes, so I always try and cut people some slack. I'm not saying that uh, at the end of the day they can't be parents, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where we we all have to really take one step back when we see something, and and really say, hey, man, I haven't walked a day in their shoes. We don't know what they're going through, um, you know. But, yeah, that's, that's all I really want to say about that. But I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to make excuses for your dad by any means, but the reality is, is who knows what that man endured in his lifetime to, you know, and what his childhood was like, right? I mean, that's a whole hey, other thing.
2: You're right, and that's exactly actually how I found some peace with it was knowing that there's just no way. You just don't do that. You're born, you're just born into being abusive. Like you're abused. And at least I believe that, you know, that, that something traumatic happened to him and it was just passed down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, and then unfortunately your mom does the smart thing and gets you out of that, you know, abusive relationship, but unfortunately, puts you into another situation. And again, it's not her fault, right? I mean, we don't right. we don't pick and choose the addictions that people have. I mean, sometimes they rear their ugly heads later on in life. Um, I'll share with you: my mom was a, an alcoholic, also, and and I lost her when I was nine years old, so to alcoholism. So um, wow. I'm fifty one years old. So you and I lived uh, a real similar life, no. and you know, uh, no. there. And, and again, I don't throw stones against my mom, man. I mean, I'm sad that I didn't get a chance to. Be with her my entire life growing up and that my son doesn't get a chance to to know who she is and um, but yeah. she was a, a functioning alcoholic and and you know it was one of those things where it just uh, like you said back in the 70s it, it was it was somewhat accepted and um, yeah. yeah so
2: easy uh, to hide yep you know we didn't have cell phones and all that stuff
1: yeah <laughs> social media and all the other bull
2: You know, for a week without talking to somebody and it's like normal.
1: Right. Right. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, um, so how about your siblings? Obviously you're, you're, uh, you have a younger, two younger uh, siblings and I assume they're from your stepfather.
2: They are, they are. And they are back in New York. Um, and uh, I just said it like I was still living in Wyoming. Uh, they're down in New York and, um, I don't have a relationship with them. Um, to this day, it's still fractured from 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 back then we just never um and i got to the point where i had to realize and as i'm kind of jumping ahead here and i apologize but until i got self squared away by that 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 i mean where i was sober not just not drinking but Mm -hmm. when sober (laughs) that i could actually look back and say what was my part in what happened you know and, and and what can i do now you know, to, to to try and rebuild a relationship with them. And really, you know, that's where things like my faith come in and actions, not my words and things of those nature pop up. But my relationship with them was just never, you know, I kind of, unfortunately, I probably subconsciously maybe even uh, looked at them as a, a part of my stepfather. Just he extensively, extensively, way over abusive. And I um, I just think that you know I've always thought my, my brother and sister were you know. um, If you've ever heard the statement, the redheaded stepchild, that was me. I, I had a curly red hair. I was a stepchild, <laughs> and uh, that was me, you know, and that's how I grew up. Did did he so. abuse them also or no? No, not as much. Not no no nowhere near.
1: Well, nowhere I, near. Let me tell you, man, that I completely appreciate. The words you just stated, and that is that, you know, it's not until later on in life, um, unfortunately, our brains don't develop as humans until into our 20s, especially for males. And and it wasn't like, you know, at nine years old, I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around the enormity of losing my mom at nine. Right. And so I, I guarantee right. you, you can't process that stuff at that age. You can't. And even into your yep. teenage years, I mean, I thought I knew it all. And what teenager doesn't think they know it all, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so um, we, we, we probably say things and have actions that yes, we would regret later on in life, but um, I have to believe that. Um, and I'm not making excuses again, but that's part of childhood growing up and, and understanding um, that, Man, it's 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 hard to navigate, especially when you don't have two solid parents in your life that are giving you the guidance and the love and the respect that you deserve, especially at that young age. So, man, I I certainly appreciate you sharing that with me because that's it's important for our, our listeners to understand that, man, you're not alone. There's I I don't know what the, the current statistics are regarding you know marriages these days because it's so easy to get married and get divorced. But uh, back right. in our day, uh, when I say our day, but back in our parents' days, I should say. <laughs> Um, You know, I know in in my certain situation with my dad, um, raised very Catholic, you didn't get divorced, you stuck it out, right? And so, as as bad as it might be, and and nobody deserves that, man, nobody deserves to have to stay in any relationship that's absolutely physically, mentally uh, abusive, and so... Man, I, I just I don't know. I, I know we've we've come a long way with mental abuse and mental health and things like that, but man, we still have a long way to go. So
2: we sure do. Yeah, we sure do. I think you and I hit it on the point too, like in the seventies and eighties. It just wasn't ever like just now, I think in the last few years, mental health has really, really come out to be, you know what, this could be they're looking at it as physical symptoms. Yeah. More. Like just out well you're physically causing like (laughs) medical problems in your body and i've got plenty of them like i went to the doctor plenty of times like i don't know how this happened but (laughs) i'm hurting here here and here and it wound up being stressed yeah so
1: well thanks again for sharing um do you have a relationship with your mom still or no
2: you know i i don't i not the one i want put it that way we're in contact but we're Mm -hmm. not close Uh, it's been a process of rebuilding sometimes you know, when 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 she think about it, I really try to look at it from her point of view. You know, back in the seventies, here she is getting remarried, which as a Catholic, which is not cool, getting divorced uh-huh. divorced first time, remarried to marriage alcoholic. Well, she, you know, it it just wasn't easy to to do uh to do that. And I will throw in right now that this is uh this is one of those moments where the TBI comes in where I forgot what I was talking about. Oh, so no, sorry, that's bro. okay.
1: Like, you you were just saying that, hey, listen, Um, you know, your mom tried to do the best she could navigating what she had to work with, right? She's got oh, yes. a, a child, she's getting remarried, um, she's just been divorced, and in the Catholic Church, that was unheard of, right? But she oh, uh, she was strong enough to make that decision to protect you, right? And uh, obviously, much. little did she know at that time, I'm sure, that she was getting into another abusive relationship, But, um, but... You know, I I don't know. I, I understand too in, in the, the years of being able to do my TV show and, and interview veterans and trauma in general, that trauma attracts trauma. Let's let's face it. I mean, it seems like some people yes. are just prone to trauma, man. And and I, I don't know, it's almost like they're a magnet to some of this stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, you know.
2: One thing I will say about my mama though is that she did what she had to do, but when I when it was apparent to her that as I grew up, I and mean, we're talking about After my military service and when my addiction was peaking, she had to do what was probably one of the hardest things to do was was to turn her back on me. Uh I needed my brother and sister. And the reason why to this day we're not very close is I still have not shown them, you know, they want to see (laughs) that Matthew's doing better. And those things take time
1: it takes such a big person to admit that and so you're not trying to point the finger at everybody else and say you were wrong you were wrong you were wrong i was right and you're you're saying the exact no, opposite, the opposite man it you're saying, opposite. Hey. it's true god bless yeah. you dude that's it's- awesome i love that <laughs> good for you
2: that's the only way to do it if you could spend your life trying to figure out what's wrong with them but to, to, yeah i i'm still trying to figure out what's wrong with me i don't have time for that
1: yeah. <laughs> like, uh, well, I, I can tell you right now, um, I mean, you and I don't know each other real well. We just met, um, you had come in through the TV show and, and you know, nominate a vet yeah. and all that stuff. And uh, as you know, my 2023 season for the most part is already booked. We book out pretty much a year in advance for, for yeah. filming episodes. But I wanted to make sure that when you sent me that article on you, I wanted to make sure we got you on right away. So literally, it's only been like two weeks since the time you emailed us until yeah. the time we got you on the show, which I'm, I'm ex- excited about. But when you and I spoke, I just knew we had a connection and... and I, I just again, man, I just want to say thank you for, for being honest and being real. And and we part of what Operation Healing Heroes does is we document the lives of our US military veterans, obviously, but we also provide healing and comfort and support for post-traumatic stress. And so I want to make sure that when we hang up after this podcast, that you and I stay in touch with each other, because I'd really like to see if there's anything that we could offer you um that will help make tomorrow better than today for you. And and I don't care if it's military trauma, if it's Childhood trauma, whatever it is, um, that's what we do. We're here to try and make tomorrow better than today for our our veterans, for our veterans' families. And so, there's a few organizations that I really want to turn you on to um, once once we're off this this podcast. But again, I just want to say thank you for for sharing and being honest with us because it's Perfect. it's so important.
2: It is my honor. It really is, and I know, um, you know, when I first started uh, speaking about my. my my history, my past, it was very difficult to do. But after I, I started really opening up and said the things that were real and just started being honest about stuff, mm-hmm. I started just completely different turnaround. I'd have veterans calling me doing, hey, man, like, how do I go hiking? How do I get involved? with? Can you get me a backpack? Like, just stuff started happening. And it was all because I just started being honest and saying, look, dude, I'm messed up. Like, I am. I am not OK.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I the hardest words for me to say were, I need help. Wow, and they still still struggle with that, bro. Well, you know, it's hard for me to. Pay you've come a out.
1: long way, I can tell you that, because I talked to a lot of veterans who, you know, again, it's still they're still in that military men- mindset of carry on, right? You know, just bury it yes. and carry on, and and man. Part of this mental health healing is not about burying it because it's just going to rear its ugly head somewhere down the road. So that's what we're here for. Let's peel back the layers of the onion. Let's find the root of the the cause and let's cure that root so that going forward, you might be able to have a, and, and I hate saying a normal life because what the hell is a normal life these days, but the reality <laughs> is, is that. I keep saying if we can make tomorrow better than today and we pay 100% for this isn't it worth it? I mean the VA does everything they possibly can depending upon what, you know, area of the country you live in, you may have a great VA, you may have a, a shitty VA. But the reality uh-huh. is is that, you know, the VA does I think everything they can, but they've been, you know, for the last 25 30 years they've been just applying more and more medications and that's their band-aid, right? Keep putting more and more meds up there. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and I know you struggled with that and we'll talk about it, but, um, uh, that's not the answer, man. The answer is getting to the root no. of the problems and trying to fix that, whether it can be fixed or not. I don't know. I mean, that's yet to be seen, but damn, can't we make tomorrow better than today? And and if that's the case, I don't care if it's 1%, 25%, 50% or 99%, isn't it worth it? You know what I mean? If we could make tomorrow better than today, let, let us do it. Let us help you.
2: So Absolutely. yeah, I appreciate that. That's yeah.
1: Just real quick before we take a break, I wanted to ask, uh, you you touched upon it. You said, I I was going to ask you what led you into the military, but I think you mentioned it. And it's so funny. When I hear (laughs) these stories, it's like I've had people who have said, you know, oh, yeah, buddy called me up and said – let's join the air force. All right, really? Why the air force? And they went down to the air force and the air force uh, recruiters door was closed. And the next door was the army and they opened up that door and they ended up in the army. I mean, stuff looks oh, yeah. just crazy. You know what I mean? Where it's like, really, that's how you join the military. But you know, again, back in the day, it wasn't, it wasn't calculated movements and things like it is today. Right. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more mainstream today as far as, uh, you know, with the deployments and the things we've been through in the last, you know, 10, 20 years. But, uh so you literally went down and and saw a a, a person that was driving a nice car and a nice suit and talked to them and, and that's really how it happened.
2: Yeah, there was an airman that was uh, actually our neighbor, um, and he just every day would have that just had what I wanted, man. You know, at eighteen, you just looking up to this guy going, man, he's he's got a little bit of he's got a to suit together. So I I wanted to uh, I wanted to try and see what that life could be like for me, you know. And sure enough, it worked out.
1: Very cool. Well, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Matthew's life in the military and uh, try and get some of the um, memorable moments from his time in service. Uh,
0: We'll be right back. This week's Veterans Resource Nonprofit of the Week is Saddles in Service. Our mission is to combat the suicide rates of veterans, active duty military, and first responders, and to promote mental health, wellness, and healing to those heroes and their families through equine-assisted learning and activities. Veterans, active duty military, first responders, and their families have been diagnosed with or experiencing symptoms related to post-traumatic stress, PTSD, anxiety, depression, job-related stress and or traumatic brain injuries are partnered with a horse through their healing journey. In turn, we help them to rediscover their joy, hope, confidence, and purpose. We lift one another up and don't break anyone down. We support each human and horse in their journey to become the best version of themselves, living a life of purpose and freedom. Visit www.saddlesandservice.org for more information.
1: And we're talking to Matthew Landis, uh, a United States Air Force veteran who uh, served four years and then ended up serving again in 2007 to 2009 in the Reserves. Uh, Matthew, again, thank you for sharing your childhood story with us and uh, and your trauma with us. I mean, it like I said, it, it literally is the footprint of our lives, unfortunately, in, in many instances. And so um, I certainly appreciate you being as honest as you've been. And uh, I wanted to just say thanks for for painting a great picture of your childhood and uh, if you don't mind we're going to move on to life in the military so uh pick it up from boot camp if you're good with that
2: yeah um so i um i i i was uh i went to um lackland just like every airman so i was in texas and my you know basic training was basic training i i i didn't think the air force basic training was like, like overly it, it was more mental especially uh not realizing that the trauma of childhood would show its ugly head um but i had i struggled with um at basic training honestly i struggled with feeling like i wanted to i just i want i missed home hmm. like i really wanted to be home i just I didn't want i didn't want to be there it took and the reason um is is and it it's it's, it goes all the way back to childhood just feeling unsafe change all these things i was just in a world of a new world i had no idea what was happening Mm -hmm. but um i i want to you know graduating going to tech school in uh shepherd air force Base, texas and they picked me uh basketball again was off the table so (laughs) (laughs) but they uh i wound up being a going into civil engineering with a, a a an undergraduate in the, um, heating and air conditioning specialty program. And then from, from there, my first assignment was to Colorado and I got to tell you that was like, I, I, from everybody I talked to, like I hit a, I, I don't know how, but Colorado was amazing. Like to go from New York out there is just, was stunning. The mountains were amazing. So, um, yeah, that's that's basic training, tech school. Kind of, it happened so fast, and next thing you know, here I am, nineteen years old in Colorado. And um, and so, what was no other, sure.
1: what were you doing out in Colorado? Is that uh, HVAC stuff or?
2: Yes. So they w- was, the civil engineering group would have underneath it. They'll have uh, you know uh, power. They'll have water plumbing. They have but HVAC was our our shop.
1: Okay, and were you in Colorado Springs?
2: No, it was actually Buckley Air Force Base. Okay. So Buckley, there, back then when I was in, there was Lowry Air Force Base was in Colorado. They closed that since. It's now like a shopping mall or something. But they, that's when Clinton was president. They shut down a bunch of bases uh, all over, I believe.
1: <clears throat> Were you in during uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm? Yes. Okay.
2: Yes, I was in uh, Desert Storm.
1: Gotcha. And did you deploy at all or no? I did not. No. I did not. Okay. What What would you say are some of the most memorable moments from your time in service as far as, you know, uh, good, bad, indifferent?
2: Um... Um, I mean, without a doubt, I remember the the day that my daughter was born. Um, I was at work, and I was in the military, you know, full military uniform, and my wife called me. I was working midnight shift. She called me. She said, I think it's time. So I wound up leaving, came back the next day, and all the the whole staff was there. And they all like were just so just congratulations. They had a big sign on the wall that Matthew's wife had a baby girl today, seven pounds, eight ounces. Her name is Br- like they. So I felt like that was pretty cool. You know, very, very nice of them. And in, is- in an in an environment, it's usually yes or no. sir, everybody's very very um, regimented. Straight. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's the door. And in that moment though, I felt I was like, "What? Well, that was not expecting that. That's um, cool.
1: So you mentioned a wife and a child. At what point did um <clears throat> when did you meet your wife and, and end up getting married?
2: Yeah, so uh I when I was in Colorado, I got stationed out there. I remember I went to the mall and one day I was in uh oh I forgot this, Spencer's gifts. I don't even know <laughs> if there's a little of anyway. Do you remember Spencer? Oh yeah, of course. Then uh, <laughs> I was walking through Spencer's, and the girl checking out, checking me out, was—I thought she was gorgeous. You know, and I'm all shy, and I'm standing, standing there, and I, I just couldn't even. I, I'm a very shy guy. I'm six foot six, like two thirty, and here I am. I'm—I I'm, cry easy, and I'm very shy. <laughs> but somehow I got a number, and um, we just—next thing you know, we hit it off, man. And my my first of three daughters, um, all all, uh, from, from my ex Candy or we all born in Colorado. And, um, yeah, but, uh, Brittany being the first was, was an amazing experience, uh, to have at the base and, uh, and, and, and Candy and I, uh, were very welcomed as new, new parents by the, by the military family.
1: That's awesome. So you mentioned you've got, um, you got three daughters, were they all born during your time in service or no?
2: No, Brittany was, and then Courtney and Rochelle
1: were born in my
2: uh inactive.
1: Okay, after you were out. And, yeah. Gotcha.
2: And, and they still live out in Colorado. My actually Brittany's in Washington and Brittany and uh Courtney and Brittany uh, Courtney and Rochelle are in
1: Colorado. Oh cool. And um as far as um, what your four years were up. Um, did you spend all four years in Colorado?
2: I did. Okay. I, I did. And I did, I remember going into reenlist and the day I went into reenlist, I was so proud. Like, um, I, 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 I love serving my country, man. I mm-hmm. really did. And I remember cool. the day I went in for, to reenlist and our, and Clinton was president. And they said to me that they are outsourcing all civil engineer work as much as they could anyway to contract. So my career field was being Dissolved. contracted out. Wow. So I had earned, you know, uh, I, 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 Was lucky enough to not get in trouble enough times to earn a good conduct medal. (laughs) If you know what I'm
1: saying, (laughs) sure.
2: (laughs) So I was, you know, I was, I was doing okay in the military, and sure enough, I went to enlist, and they said we'd we'd love to keep you, but you're going to have to go back to tech school, and you can be, you can go into nursing, you can go into this, you can go into that. So I began to look into taking my civil engineer and the HVAC specialty work that I was taught into the civilian life, and there was. Again, that was another opportunity for the blessing to to have been taught uh, such a good career field um, that that I could. There was a huge demand in Colorado for a, an HVAC tech that knew half of what they were doing. So it was a uh, not an easy decision to make, you know, but I ultimately Brittany was just born I, and I, I, I wasn't taking, I wasn't going to take three months to go back to tech school at the time and leave my wife and kid. Yeah. Right. Know, so
1: were you guys living on base at the time? Nope. We had off base housing. Okay.
2: I remember that too. Could, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because you'd get extra pay if you were off base. And all that.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. I guess one more question during this segment, uh, uh, we're going to take another short break, but, um, yeah. Uh, I guess my question would would pretty much be, um, so, what would you say to somebody who's considering going into the military? You got family members that you know have have uh, like myself. I've got an 18 year old right now who's graduating high school this year. Um, what would you say to somebody who's who's considering going into the military?
2: Well, depending on the person I'd be speaking to, I try to let them know that trust is one of the most difficult things to to have at a young age at 18, 19, depending again, on know you're talking to. Trust is difficult, but if, if that person could trust me just now and just hear what I had to say, I promise that, you know, 10, 20 years ago down the road, it'll pay off. And what I would share with them is that in my opinion, especially this day and age, that going into the military is probably one of the most incredibly beneficial things you could possibly do with your life. As as far as for me, it, it, although there were some bad things, the good things, I mean, to this day, are 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 built into me. They're built into my daughters. So, if someone's looking to go into military, without a doubt, I think it would be an amazing decision, and I would be partial to want to recruit them more towards the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say to people I'm like man to be honest with you I, I just tell people hey man if you think about going to the Air Force or if you're going to the military I, I, I applaud you you definitely should it'll be great for your life and if you're looking for the right one to go this is why I think the Air Force is the best you know we talk about food and bases and all these things but to be honest with you when you're 18, 19 and trying to make a life decision trust is is a critical thing to have and and um, it's hard when you're getting with you have so many options at least it was for me um, but to be able to offer them just a little bit of, of 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 trust in that moment and just say, look, if you can trust me now, I'm telling you, it's what you're considering doing is a very, very good thing and support them as best I could.
1: Cool. With that, we're going to go ahead and uh, take another short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about reintegration into civilian life. I know this is something that many veterans struggle with. Um, so, and I know Matt did also. He shared that with me uh, earlier in our conversations. So, we'll take a short break. As soon as we come back, we will talk about uh, reintegration into civilian
0: life. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.sure.com and by Great Clips the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U S and Canada. Great clips. It's going to be great. And we are talking to air
1: force veteran, Matthew Landis, uh, Matthew, again, thank you for sharing your story with us and uh, your time in service. Um, we're going to talk next about something that, uh, I talk to a lot of our veterans about, and it, it's about reintegration into society after the military. I know that, uh, Many men and women struggle to find a purpose. Um, they, they they struggle to to just again. You know, you've had a, a regimented lifestyle for the last whatever. It, in your case, it was four years, but for for many of them, it's it's many many more years than that. And then you come back into this rat race called the civilian life, right? And and we expect you to just literally just flow right back in, and it's damn near impossible. Right. So, um, tell me about the trials and tribulations you had when, when you're trying to reintegrate from, from the military into civilian life.
2: Sure. So, um, you know, being a, an HVAC tech, like I had said, finding a job was not something that I, I struggle with. I know that there's a lot of guys in the military have jobs that there's just not, you know, a, a of a carryover into the civilian life. So I, I to this day, I, I, I'm so blessed to say that they, I was taught something that I could use in, in the in the in civilian life. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, so it wasn't finding the job, uh, it wasn't showing up for work. You know, for me to be straight up with you, by that time in my life, my alcoholism and my drug use uh, had and, and it, that was you know right at the end of my military uh, service i began to get real bad and i my struggles were were becoming more substance abuse based
3: mm-hmm.
2: so my transition i it, just like everything else i just drowned it out bro i mean i i would vary very things just like i varied everything else and um i i i tried to make it seem like it was a smooth easy transition but it was the beginning of falling apart and um so i guess it's hard to speak from uh for all those that are struggling with addiction i think you know exactly what i'm talking about when we're at a point in life we're trying to make a major decision and and we're affected by this disease of alcoholism or any addiction Mm -hmm. i think we we it it really becomes important to realize how, the importance of having other people in our life to help us make these types of decisions because um, it's in, you're almost incapable of of making correct decisions when you're as um, as as bad as I I wound up as I wound up being. So the transition for me um, as far as employment and jobs, I had no problems with that. I had problems relating with people. I had problems. Um, just uh, uh, severe problems being around large groups of people, but mainly most just, I had problems with just being around people and I, I, I tried to drink it away. I tried to um, drug it away and that was just the beginning of what was about to, you know, happen.
1: Wow. So obviously it affected your marriage because I I heard you earlier in the show refer to Candy as your ex-wife. So I'm assuming that that had a major (laughs) play our major role in
2: yes absolutely yeah <clears throat> we uh we were married 11 years <clears throat> and um it was it was uh rough i'm not sure how how much you what you want me to to it's to talk up to you talked about brother.
1: I mean, I, I, like I said, this show is about reality, and it's, it's. I'm not gonna. I call it Hollywoodifying it, right? I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. Um, the way you lived your life is the way you lived your life, and you, you let me know as much or as little as you feel comfortable yeah. sharing. I certainly don't want to ever be called out and say, "Oh, you try and glamorize trauma or whatever," because that's that's not absolutely the case. No. This is about the reality of the struggles, the daily struggles uh, of of life in general, and whether it's childhood trauma or child uh Trauma from from military career or, or after the military, it's about honoring the men and women who provided our freedom and give me the ability to do what I get to do on a daily basis. And so, again, you you All share right. as much or as little as you'd like or you're comfortable with.
2: Okay, I appreciate you saying that, man. It makes it yeah <laughs> a little more comfortable to share what I'm about to. But I um you know I I I turned to to alcohol and drugs. Uh, daily and uh my 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 wife and i wound up moving up to breckenridge colorado um and i i remember the first time i used opiates i had i had taken a fall i went to the doctor and by this time i was already heavy heavy alcohol drinker <clears throat> and i looked at the pill bottle and it said do not mix with alcohol and i'm telling you i just did not see that word mm-hmm. <laughs> not <laughs> i i purposely chose to take that out and um the first time I, I I took Percocet with alcohol I just was like holy cow, and that went on for over ten years of heavy, heavy, heavy abuse. Um, my alcoholism and I mean, so much so that I'll, I'm comfortable telling you I got I was doctor shopping so much in Colorado that back it was 2001 I got charged with 23 felony counts. Wow. For doctor in the state of Colorado. It was serious, man. They flew me out. These guys were not playing. They, I flew out from New York. I had moved back to New York. I was divorced, flew back out to, to Colorado to go to court and uh, had to do that three times. I wound up to getting it taken care of, but I was in serious, serious trouble. And I remember the judge saying like, do you need like to go to rehab? And I just remember thinking, what? No. Said, no, no, no. Hold on. I got this. I'm a military dude. I, I got this, and I tried to. I got this a lot, a lot, a lot longer than I should have, man. Uh-huh. <clears throat> you know, and um, well, you know, it 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 carried over into every area of my life. It takes and, a lot um, to,
1: for someone like you to just admit to that stuff. I mean, and and like you said, that's. It's an addiction man and it it grips you tighter than anything in this world and so uh, anyone who's never fought an addiction may not understand it to the to the depths that you've had to live it um but thank god you came out on the other side okay i mean listen to you you sound great you're you're willing to share your experience and and you know they they often say you got to hit rock bottom before you can start to go up again right and so Right. Um, somewhere along the way, you must have hit rock bottom and said, "This isn't for me." And and uh, you know, but like you said, when you were in oh, yeah. a prescription shop, and it, at that point, you'll do anything you possibly can to get your hands on the next pill or the next beer or whatever alcohol. Um, and, and again, people are quick to judge, but man, please understand that um, all of this, or I shouldn't say all of it, most of this probably stemmed from your childhood. You know. Absolutely. So again, you know, you thanks for taking the time to to even explain it because it's it's important.
2: Yeah, you hit you hit you said the word um, you said the words hit rock bottom, and when you when as soon as you said that, it just it came from my heart just to come out and just share this um, my my rock bottom, um, and kind of how the VA helped save my life, the beginning of helping get some some change into my life. <clears throat> so I was in a Burger King parking lot in Atlanta, Georgia, on my birthday, in 2015. And for the very first time, I stuck a needle in my arm. And I was with a girl who I had just met. I asked this girl for a cigarette maybe half half hour before. Next thing you know, I'm giving her a ride to go pick up some drugs. Next thing you know, I'm in the car with her on a hot day. And I stuck a needle, last thing I remember, I stuck a needle in my arm. Wow! I woke up and I was covered. In glass, they had come to the car. What had happened was I overdosed. She bolted out of the car. Thank God she called 911. They came, they Narcan. I woke up literally with the bag like over my mouth. They were pushing Narcan into me to wow. save my life. I literally, literally, literally died on my birthday, July 2015, bro. Wow. Uh, and so I'm in the back of this ambulance and I'm still com- not comprehending what's going on. I, I'm, I'm still high. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's cops, there's fire engines. And this one EMT gets in the back, and she wound up being a veteran. She, one EMT gets in the back of the, of the uh, ambulance, comes to the emergency room with me. She sits with me, stays in, my, in the ER for over three hours while I'm still asleep. She, off, off of work, she stays there. Hmm. I wake up. And she looks at me, and I swear to God, she looks just like my mom. And she says to me, what the hell are you doing with your life? What are you doing? She's like, you're, 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 a, you're an Air Force veteran down here homeless on the streets of Atlanta, Georgia, sticking a freaking needle in your arm. She's like, you were gone when we got there, Matthew. You were gone. Like She was trying to express to me, because I don't think the doctors or anybody, I didn't know what happened. She was like, You were gone. We had to double Narcan you. <laughs> wow. And so she's like, I don't know if you're open to getting help, but there's a place here in Atlanta, Georgia, the VA Medical Center, and they can they can help you. And that was the first time my feet sat inside the, the the door of the VA for help. I, I wound up literally just walking in there and was like, I need I I need help. Whoa. I was gone, dude. Just didn't she know was, what to
1: do. God sent, man, it's divine intervention. I, I mean I, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard stories like this that, you know, I I don't care what you say. I don't care if you're a religious person, you're not a religious person. Shit like that doesn't happen. It just, that's, that's God playing a role in in your life. You weren't ready yet, man. He needed you for something.
2: That's exactly what it was. And And I say that to people that I speak with that, you know, that are sometimes struggling that may have had a similar experience where they've you know, heroin is a is a huge problem, especially an opiate problem in in Maine. Uh, when I speak to the veterans that are going through it, I'm like, you know, it's it you, you never know what you're playing with out there today. You don't know what your this fentanyl and all these people are dropping dead. You know.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I'm I'm but, so uh, glad that and that was that the very first time you'd ever done it.
2: Yes. Wow. I had I had done opiates, uh, the pill type that I got uh, the felony counts for. I had doctors, but I'd never, never, never stuck anything in my arm. And uh, it was my birthday. I had broken up with my girlfriend. I just didn't care. I thought I'd have some fun, and it wound up me almost costing me my life.
1: Wow. Do you still talk to that paramedic lady at all, or no? Have you ever? I don't,
2: but I do pray, bro. Cool. I think about it all- and she's always in my story because when I'm when I'm sharing my testimony with people, I like to absolutely remember, especially the fact that
1: she looked just like my mom. That's amazing, man. That was, she's an angel sent from above, man. She was meant to be there.
2: Yeah, that's it. And I and I'll say, you know, being once I walked into the VA down there, um, and was able to be open with them and say, yeah, this has been going on now for you know over twenty over twenty years, twenty five years. I don't remember, but I, this has been going on for this long. And they looked at me and I remember they're like, honey, we don't think you know how sick you are. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. <clears throat> and that began the battle of over three, four years of getting kicked out of there. A few times they got kicked out of the, the VA up in Sheridan. I mean, I I, I started messing up in treatment literally
1: really so that didn't even that was it was rock bottom but yet it was still you still had a little more fight left in you huh so you are getting kicked out of vas in in atlanta
2: absolutely i so what her that incident in the in it 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 showed me just as clear as a bell this is where you're at this is how thick you are and yet i still chose after that to go on to move i never stuck a needle in my arm again but i chose to use and i Mm. sure as heck drank Wow, and that led me down some really, really, really dark places. And you know, it's it's not easy to get accepted into some of these VAs. And I was I was getting in, and I I'd, I'd be in the program for six weeks, seven weeks. I just wouldn't come back, or I'd relapse. I'd go out and drink. And I remember them in Georgia. They were like, "Well, you got to go." And I was like, "What?" And they were like, "Look, Landis, you've been down here for six weeks. This is your second time getting kicked out." You didn't come back the other night on time. It's we've talked about this. You got to go, and I'm like, Whoa, where where do I go? Like mm-hmm. I'm you're gonna put me on the street. So they helped me apply to a bunch of places, man. And um, the only place that accepted me was the Sheridan, Wyoming VA, and I was like, Wyoming, all right. That's it's kind of like Colorado, you know. So
1: that sounds like a vacation, right?
2: Came, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I I was in a dark place, you know. And I I remember coming out and going through treatment. And the, you know, the area that I struggled with the most, it, it was never treatment, it wasn't the program, it wasn't getting sober while I was in a facility, it wasn't, I struggled with when I graduated, like right that first few weeks after graduation, that first even month, those are just the most critical, even the first days are so critical in early recovery, especially when you you have no place to live, you're oh. still kind of homeless you know so you know it's uh it's it's when 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 you're still in full blown addiction i you know like I was, I still was incapable of making the decisions that needed to be made for my own health you know i just wasn't I wasn't capable of, of admitting the full truth of my use and stuff, so there again the Sheridan VA said you gotta go. <laughs> So I'm like, you're kidding me. So I wound up staying at a homeless shelter in Wyoming for a few months. And then I, that was the the very first time that I found meth. So and, uh, back up
1: one second, you were actually graduating some of these programs, right? Yep. So you are you are actually graduating and, and were you clean during that time or were you going out and then not coming back on time? And so you were actually out drinking again or you were, were you, were you, no. were you doing what they were asking you to do while you were in the programs?
2: If, if I, if I did what I did when I was in the program, I could graduate. So that'd be, but if you mess up during the program, you get kicked out.
1: Okay. So there were some programs where you actually graduated. So you actually did what they asked you to do. And then, like you said, the first few hours, days, weeks are probably the most hardest because again, you should be feeling excited and and good about what you've just accomplished. But the reality sets in that, Hey, I have no place to go. I have no family. I have no support system. I got no nothing. And what do you go back to? What's comfortable, Right exactly exactly that's exactly what happens and so and that's why and, and you
2: just said it perfectly that's what kind of is is the whole foundation of what it is that I'm hoping to be able to do you know with my my reaching out to other veterans to, to help them and um but yeah it, it going through the program it's not the program it's that first for me anyway it's that week afterwards you walk out the gates of the va and you say you got an apartment or you're in a shelter or a whole a halfway house you lay on the bed the first time you look up at the ceiling and you're like i can do anything i want mm-hmm. and, and the, it's in that moment for me is when i went south every single time
1: yep and the addiction you know, is still in you they didn't take Remove the addiction. They they gave you coping mechanisms to try and cope with it, but the 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 deep rooted addiction is still there. And so, like you said, I mean, your brain constantly goes back to, "Hey, I just completed that. Great job." And you lay like you said in bed, and you think myself, "I could do whatever the hell I want to do tomorrow." And yeah, there you go, right (laughs) back at it. Right, it's like a vicious circle, man. It is, and you circle over over and
2: over. And everybody finds their way out, you know. And for me, just uh, due to the nature of the show and who we're I'm not sure who we're talking to but I, for me it was i i had to find my faith i had to find something bigger spiritually than 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 who i was so i wound up finding my faith in the lord awesome and so you know and with without that you know i would have just continued to 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 make the same decisions that would I, I like you said keep going in circles you know so no they didn't take out the addiction. i was able to introduce the love I needed in my life that I had never really had that I did find in in the Lord.
1: Very cool, man. I love hearing that. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were saying that you had gotten kicked out of Sheridan. And so then, so then what? Um, so I, I
2: I went down to the, I'm trying to think the first time or the second time I got kicked out. (laughs) I got kicked out twice from Sheridan, but the second time I got kicked out, I went to the, there's a, a program here called the VOA and it's a, uh, a veterans outreach administration and they had a shelter in Wyoming. I stayed in there for a few months. And after 30 days of being out, you can reapply. So I reapplied to the same uh rehab place that I got kicked out of. And they accepted me back in. So I just had to hang tight for 30 days. But man, those 30 days I'd wound up I wound up in jail. I you know too many times I wound up getting in trouble. And um unfortunately it, it it wasn't until i really i i was uh later in life I think I mentioned that i i had never touched meth and once i i i did that's when things even like as we're talking now things are bad but it, it got much 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 worse before I was able to um, to get things together but um yes wow the, it's,
1: it's so from there that- um at what point Uh, And what year is this now? This is how many years have you been uh, out of the military in 2009? I know that, but uh, how long has it, I mean, what is this 2000? Is it still in the, the um, nineties or is this in the two thousands? 2000s. Okay. So this was just recent. Okay. I got 2017
2: was the, or I'm sorry, 2018 was the last time that I officially graduated the program and headed out on my own.
1: Wow. Good for you. So let's back up just a, a, a step here and yeah. say um, you went into the reserves in 2007. So um, were you at that point, were you still married or no? No,
2: no, no, no I was divorced. not. OK. Yeah, I have moved back to New York and I honestly was uh, I was trying to find something with my life. I thought I, I, I thought that by returning to serve my country, it would fix some of the 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 demons that I was still struggling with. You know, so I did a couple of years doing that. But even then, to be honest with your brother, I, I, I did not show up. I'd show up with beer or alcohol in my breath. Uh-huh. Like I did not do, I was not to be straight up. I did not do, I did not do well.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, so you it's got- been with me.
1: You got out in 2009 okay. and then went right back to the same lifestyle that you were leading prior to going in. You tried to, you know, that was almost like a lifeline in your eyes is trying to go back into the military, serve your country, hopefully have them straighten you out, and it didn't work. So you get out in 2009, huh? Yeah. And, but that, that, that wasn't active duty. That was just the reserve. Yeah, so, yep. But, yeah, but like you said, you weren't showing up and, you no, know, what I mean? exactly. Wow.
2: Yeah, you, you, it's easy to do good on the, on the surface. Like yeah. I did good. I, I never got in trouble. Never nothing like that. But I sure enough, sure enough, I sure enough know uh, I, sure no, I was getting by on the skin of my teeth. Wow.
1: So after two thousand nine, from two thousand nine to two thousand eighteen, you're you're just in and out of rehab facilities and and uh, continuing yeah. to live that lifestyle.
2: Yes, wow. making right. poor choices.
1: Nine years. Wow. Yes. Wow. So that being said, when do you finally find, um, I know you had said you found faith and, um, and then I believe you found another center that would take you, correct? Or, or is it the same one that you had come out of?
2: Uh, it was actually the same one that I came out of. Okay. It was the same one that I came out of. And, but this time, you know, this is what my fourth time going through the program. I, I, I knew this time that school was out like no more no more teachers no more books they had taught me everything i needed to know i knew going back through was not and following their way you know every step of the way i was not, i was going to wind up right back there i knew
3: hmm.
2: so i knew i had to do something different man like i had to do something after i graduated <laughs> there was just no way i i, I was going to keep coming back I, my health my health was failing my liver was failing I was getting in all kinds of trouble. Like I, I had to make a, a a choice, a decision. And if you wanted me to, I can share you, I can share with you how that, a little bit about that, that kind of leads into what the PCT did. Yeah. Uh, we're going to, we're going to
1: the, go there in the next segment. I, I certainly want you to pick sure. up right there, but um, before we get there, I just want to ask you one last question. And that is um, <clears throat> what if that, center gave up on you right and what i mean by that is you, they accepted you back four times and it's like they never gave up hope on you
2: no man they welcomed me back and that gets me emotional just thinking about that because they welcomed me they remembered my name man wow like they they they, they, they it was the people that helped me there it wasn't the program bro it was the love of the people you know and it, until i really started accepting that love I just I wasn't gonna help. I wasn't gonna heal.
1: Amen, man. They, hey, and they didn't judge you. You know what I mean? You you, you kept coming back, no. so they knew that you wanted help. It was just like I said. I they would always say, back. You had no support system out there. Once the, once you walk through those gates and you're free again, you had zero support. You didn't have family. You didn't have anybody that was sitting there helping you get back on track. And and so wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah,
2: they would put it this way. They would say. When I would come back in, they would say, you know what, Matthew, we honestly, we were just waiting to hear that you were the next veteran that that has passed. Because they were, I mean, we're talking, this is a big VA, they were losing two, three, four, four veterans a month to suicide. Mm-hmm. It was, they, and they were like, dude, we were sure that you were just going to wind up six feet under. So when I would come back in, of course, they were like, it's so good to see you, Wow, <laughs> you know? So they welcome me back you were loving
1: man thanks for sharing that uh we're going to take a quick break uh when we come back we're going to talk about life after the military and what he's actually doing now uh, since 2018 when he became uh, clean and sober and uh we'll be right back
0: This week's Veterans Resource, Nonprofit of the Week, is Saddles in Service. Our mission is to combat the suicide rates of veterans, active-duty military, and first responders, and to promote mental health, wellness, and healing to those heroes and their families through equine-assisted learning and activities. Veterans, active duty military first responders, and their families have been diagnosed with or experiencing symptoms related to post-traumatic stress, PTSD, anxiety, depression, job-related stress, and or traumatic brain injuries are partnered with a horse through their healing journey. In turn, we help them to rediscover their joy, hope, confidence, and purpose. We lift one another up and don't break anyone down. We support each human and horse in their journey to become the best version of themselves, living a life of purpose and freedom. Visit www.saddlesandservice.org for more information.
1: And we're talking to Air Force veteran Matthew Landis. Uh, again, Matthew, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. What an incredible story and journey you've been on. I mean, really, it's, it's been amazing. So, again, thank you for sharing all this with us.
2: Oh, my pleasure, Jason. Thank you so much.
1: All right, let's talk about uh, right before the break. We talked about um, you know how you ended up uh, where you're at today, which is uh, thriving, right? Helping other veterans, doing yep. the right things. Man, I guarantee you that there's still struggles on on a daily basis for you, man. It's not it's not all rainbows and unicorns. I can promise you that. Um, but that being said, uh, hey, you're you're clean and sober, and you you found. Uh, a sense of purpose in the Lord, or, and religiously, and which is amazing. And and so, share with us uh, what happened in in 2018 that literally brought you around.
2: Absolutely. So, and this is a this is amazing. This this story, like I, the only reason I still think that I'm alive, to be honest with you, Jason, is to share what I'm about to share, and it's my hope, you know by sharing it, that, that, that if there's some veterans out there that are hurt and struggling, like I was, that they, that they're have a little hope. Be, don't be afraid to reach out to me. I mean, when you hear this and they'll know who they are, they'll know who I'm talking to.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I always say never they deprive care. somebody of hope because it may be all they have. Right.
2: Amen. I like that. <laughs> never heard that. So, and you know, I, I, the one thing I remember going back to my grandfather, I didn't mention before my grandpa, when I was a boy, he always took me fishing outdoors. So I love the outdoors stationed in Colorado. I was elk hunting. I just, I always loved the outdoors So when I was in rehab in Sheridan, Wyoming, we used to get what's called a four day pass. So you could, you could get Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, you could get a four day pass once a month. So, or I'm sorry, once a week after you've been there for a little while. So I would go, I would get a 40 pass. I had a great backpack at the time and I go up, I would, the, the VA here or uh, back in Wyoming is stationed right by the Bighorn uh, National Forest. It's got cloud peak, the second highest peak in Wyoming. It's stunning out Beautiful. there. Yeah. So I would get that and I'd get to my old Subaru and I just drive up there and I'd, I'd hit the trail and I'd go backpack camping and I just go and go and go. I take my phone and I'd take videos and pictures the whole way and i'd come back and after doing that like you know for the, like the second time i went through the program they were like where do you go like every weekend you come back and you're you don't go with anybody you're all you're dirty you're all filthy but you come back and you're like happier now you're you're doing you don't do nothing for for four days here and then you <laughs> you leave for three days again you know and you're just happy like what are you doing and i told them man i hike and wow. it's like my and I'd go out there and I just, uh, if I could, and I would go out into the woods. I just, I loved it. And I, I remember one night there was uh, a peer support specialist that I couldn't sleep, and it was about two o'clock in the morning. And I went outside to smoke a cigarette, and he was sitting out there, and we started having this conversation. And he was the one who had asked me originally, I asked, Where do you go? And I, I, I remember we got into a conversation about the Pacific Crest Trail. And he, because I had seen a movie. I forget the name of the crew. Oh, it's called Wild with Reese Witherspoon, the movie Wild. It's about Pacific Crest Trail and addiction and a fantastic movie. Well, I had seen the movie and I asked him about that movie. I said, what's up with this thing called the Pacific Crest Trail? Have you ever heard of it? He's like, I used to work on it, volunteer to do trail maintenance. And he told me about it. He's like, it's a it's a major thing, dude. It's like 2,000 miles. It wound up being 2,653, but it goes from... Canada all the way down to Mexico. And he he shared all the details about it. So I thought about it and I thought that that's one of the most insane things I'd ever heard of. Um, But I couldn't get it off my mind for two weeks. So I started researching it at the library. I was like, you know, I just think there's people that come from all over the world. You know, it's a rough rough terrain and maybe, maybe I could do this. So I went back to that guy who told me about it. And I said, hey, what do you think about me hiking that thing called the Pacific Crest Trail. And I'll never, ever forget this. This, this sentence changed my life. He said, Matthew, and he looked right me in the eye. He said, if you hike that trail, I promise you, the course of your direct, the direction of your life will change forever. Wow. And once he said to me, brother, when he said that, it was done.
1: That was the I affirmation mean, you needed to say. I,
2: yeah. I knew I was going. And I'll tell you what, everything just started... I, once the decision, people always ask me, what's the hardest thing about hiking the Pacific Crest Trail? And it is the decision to hike it. Oh. The decision. So I, once I made that decision, I just, I, number one, I was horrified because I couldn't, I didn't even tell him. Like, I didn't tell the VA, hey, I'm leaving in a month. <laughs> you know, really? This was, yeah, I didn't, I, this was June in 2018. And by July 8th, I was in Seattle, headed to the BCT, southbound. I mean, I had no time to plan, and usually people plan this thing. I'm telling you for years, right? So, but the not telling the BA because I was, I was like, "There's no way they're going to approve of this." You know, their 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 plans are okay. He's graduated. Now we need to get him an apartment. We need to get him a job. We need mm-hmm. to get him back into society. My and my brain was like, "No, we're not," because I can't. Like mm-hmm. I could just.
1: Yeah, there's you'll go spiraling wrong back wrong down into the same same rabbit hole you've been in the last nine years, yeah, right? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And I knew it in my heart, like I was my best doctor, and I I knew that I loved myself enough to take a chance and 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 do something different, you know? And yeah. I remember the day that I went to the VA, like it's graduations coming up. I gotta tell them what I'm doing. I went to the VA, I said, Look, th- there's this thing I'm thinking about doing. I, I'm not sure if you're gonna do it or be happy with it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I said, even I'm going out west I'm going to hike the Pacific Crest Trail and they looked right at me my counselor looked at me she said what can we do to help really uh, yeah. yeah they were on board couldn't believe it they were like okay can we help you coordinate travel they're not going to pay for it but can we help you how can we help you coordinate your food your like they were very very focused on my staying sober Love you it. know they helped me come plan You know, just their, the their our plan was Matt. Just make sure you just get on the airplane.
1: That is so cool,
2: dude. The VA there, like their support, really, really. Once I had that, it was over. I I just, I, I can't tell you. I just felt like I had the first time in my life, out of everything I'd ever done, I was finally doing something for myself that I really, really loved. You know, and I. To have and it's
1: also been, that counselor, yeah. I mean, talk about people at the individual level, right? So that person at that time, in that instance, it could have easily gone the other way, right? It could have easily been, you know, no, that's not the way we do things around here. You've got to go get an apartment, get a job, this and that, right? They could have just basically <laughs> yeah. done it by the book. But instead, that person... Um, They are the ones who literally were responsible for changing your life. Because now there's a huge difference in saying to you, um, you know, you were looking for approval, right? You wanted the VA's backing. You wanted the approval to go do what you had already made up in your mind that you were going to do whether they approved it or not. But that being said, um, having their approval... It, it speaks volumes for your mental health because it gives you the ability to say, hey, listen, man, not only do I get to do what I love and what I wanna do, but they're actually supporting me. And it could have gone the other way. And if it hadn't gone the other way, who knows what it, if, it, if the results would have been the same. I mean, literally, you know, it's that's amazing, no, man. I'm so right. glad to hear that.
2: You're right, because she told me later, she was like, once you told us, like every week they have a meeting for, or, you know, they go over each veteran who's going through whatever. And I, it, I came up, and they were like, Landis is going to hike the Pacific Crest Trail." And there were people that were like, "He is what?"
1: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I did not 100% approval, man. God put that counselor in my path.
1: Amen. I
2: believe, and and said, "How can I help you?" Yep. You know, and uh, that, and uh, that and that was the beginning of opening up the doors
1: to, to to some amazing healing. It's the next angel in your life, brother. <laughs> That's right. Count them. They're 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 there throughout. Every step of your life, man, they're there.
2: They are. And and that kind of, it's funny you mentioned that because that is, for me, what the Pacific Crest Trail, like how, if I may just kind of go into a little bit about how that helped me.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent
2: for sure. Yeah. Okay. So here I am. You now, I think you have to think about this. Realistically, uh, the, the facts are the facts. I am like a week out of, or not even a week. Like two days out of uh some out of um
1: rehab treatment. training treatment, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I had to fly to Seattle, get a hotel for the night, and then get to the trail the next day. I had a ride all set up and everything. But here I am, dude. It was hard. I <laughs> gotta be honest with you, it was real hard that one night in the hotel, but I didn't. I was exhausted, I fell asleep, got up, got on trail. But here I am about to do this uh, this this event that I've had no planning. No training. I am no training, I'm not sure. I literally I, I bought a compass and a map. Wow. And the other hikers were using these apps on their phones that you, it's called uh gut hooks. And you can you can just download a GPS thing onto your phone. I didn't have any of it. I'm telling you, I had like peanut butter and jelly and I was unprepared for this. Wow. But I knew, I knew in my heart, I swear to you, I knew I was in the right place because as soon as I started hiking, like you mentioned before, it was the individual people. It was the people on the trail. These these trail angels uh, and uh, that are people that help other hikers along this journey, and the and the hikers themselves. I have never been around a more loving, caring, supportive group of people in my life. Like to this day, my best friends. Are all hikers that I met in two thousand eighteen. So that's awesome. The, the, healing, the healing for me, you know, it of course this, the, the the mountains and the scenery and all this, it's it's stunning. But it is truly the people. It is the people and the love that, that is 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 shared that for me in my experience opened up the door to healing. So here I am about to go southbound. So I, I most hikers go north. They start in April. And they go down to, to Campo, uh, Mexico, and they start northbound. So April, May, June, July, August, it's about five months to hike us. So it's too late for me to go northbound. So I bought a ticket to Seattle and headed southbound, which only about 30% of hikers do. But I'm, my plan is just to kind of cruise along. And if I make it through Washington, great. You know, But here, it, it, and by the way, after I finish this trail, I have no clue. Or if I get hurt, I have no clue where I'm going. Not much money at all. Like a few hundred bucks. I have no place to go. Like, I don't have a plan B. This has to work. Oh, wow. you, know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I I meet up with a group of, of hikers, and we um, started just putting down miles. And I found myself suddenly doing 20. Like, within a week, I was doing 20s. I was doing 20 miles a day, carrying 40-pound 40 40 pound back in the, what they call the Swiss House of America in Washington, wow. I mean it is stunning up there, so i 'm cruising along and i 'm meeting friends and uh you know uh, just never been experienced never never experienced anything like so free in my life, but what would happen is you you 'd never be able to keep up with each other so you 'd have days sometimes where you just hike alone, and it gave me time. And it gave my mind, like, space for, for, he, for healing. For, for, for me, I believe, for God to even show up, like, to be, I had to give him some room. I was going so fast, treading water, to stay alive that I had no room to breathe. Wow. And I had to, it gave me the chance to slow down. And I look back now, and what I was trying to literally slow down, and it's sad to say this, but this is the truth, what I was slowing down from, was that running from when I was a child?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: From when I was hurt, I it, it just I never stopped running, and I, that was the very first time at 48 years old. I, I remember just being out there and being just unable to stop crying because I felt so close to to, to God, to to something, awesome. and you know, so the the trail, the people, and and, and, and doing. Getting out there, getting out of that, um, was 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 incredibly difficult. Now that I look back, I don't think I knew what I was doing at the time. I was amazing to get started, uh, but probably one of the most important things that carries over to to today about that journey was the amount of other veterans that started following me, and I mean literally on uh, Facebook, Instagram, I'm... I'm sending pictures every time I get to a town and I got veterans back at the VA where I just came from that are going, dude, we want to do that. Like, how can we, I'm talking dozens of, you know, so I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm not sure I can help you yet, but I know some people that, you know, you can talk to back at the VA that helped me get started. And so I, yeah, man, I, I, I hiked that
1: trail. That so you hiked and... everything from two from two thousand July of two thousand eighteen, and you finished in December of two thousand eighteen,
2: right? I did.
1: Wow! And so at that then, point, you finish, and and then what? Like, what do you like? Like you said, I don't have much money. You're not making any money doing it, so yeah. What do you do? So I wound up hitchhiking one day,
2: and a this guy's. Uh, they was giving me a ride. He was coming up from Sacramento. He asked me and I'll just be straight up with you, he asked me if I'd ever been to a farm before. And I had never been to a a, a cannabis farm. So I, I went out with him and he had this like a hundred acre piece of property that he uh I mean a beautiful ranch with a small little lot that he he grew some green. And I wound up working on that ranch for the summer. Or for, I'm sorry for that winter. After I finished the trail, I worked there for like un- until I went back in July and hiked again. So,
3: so what, you didn't go back to months? the VA.
1: You went. You literally went no. to work, and and oddly enough, you're hitchhiking and meet somebody that gave you employment and let you live on the ranch. I assume.
2: Yes, and even more crazy is my name is Matthew John Landis. The guy who picked me up, his name is John Matthew,
1: oh my and his gosh. last name,
2: and, and we're both. Grateful believers in in Christ, and we're talking like, wait a minute, how we, we met for a reason. So sure enough, we are still best of friends to this day. He's a great, great guy, and um, yeah, I wound up staying out there. Um, But however, I, I do need to say that was a very, very, very bad decision.
1: Yeah, it was, I was a very. Ask poor... that question if being on a cannabis farm. Yes.
2: Right, and it wasn't just that; it was all of a sudden there was a lot of drinking, again, and. Um, I was in. A, I got myself into a really bad place again, and I knew it was just a matter of time before I wound up back at the VA. But one of my hiker friends that I, I would stay in touch with, I'd call her every now and then when I was drunk, and I'd be like crying. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I, you know, I'm I'm messing up, and I don't know what to do. And blah. I call her over and over. <clears throat> one time she called me. And she was like, You need to stop calling me. You either are going to make a decision, and to be honest with you, Matthew, the only place I've ever seen you happy is she was in Washington. Is out here when you were hiking on the trail. I think you should come out and hike again. Just come out and do Washington.
1: And where were you at this point? Where's the farm at?
2: Calif- California.
1: California.
2: Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm like, I'm done. I'm in. And I was two days later. I was up in at her place in, up in Washington. And I'm telling you, once my feet hit the trail, like I knew I was gonna go the whole way again.
1: So this was again it. in July of 2019, right? Yes. So this is one year, almost to the day yeah. after you had done it the first time.
2: Yeah, I think I started the 8th the first time and the 13th the second time. Wow. And I almost finished within a week of the same time frame in De- uh, December.
1: Wow. And so, so what the about the gentleman of- that you were staying at his ranch? Did you just basically go to him and say, hey, listen, I got to go do this because if I don't, I'm going to be in a really bad spot? Or did, did he know that? I- I was straight up with him. Yes. I was like, look, and he knew, he knew I was, I was drinking and
2: um, making some mistakes and stuff. And I, I I knew, I trusted him enough to be able to say to him and because we, we had built a relationship that was, in my opinion, it was a relationship based on our faith Mm -hmm. that we trusted each other. We trusted. So I had to go to him and say, look, man, I got, I love you, but I got to go because I'm, I'm sticking around here and it's getting me in trouble. Yep. He actually drove me to the airport and slipped me 20 bucks, man. He's like a really cool guy.
1: That's awesome, man. I love hearing that stuff. Another angel in your life, man. There's another one.
2: Right. Right. It's amazing how we can look back and see them everywhere. Yeah. You know,
1: connect the dots, man. It's crazy.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
1: The next for one sure. so the, here, the girl I'm... that you're going to, to meet and go do the trail with again. There's the next one. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, it was amazing it was it, it, i remember making the decision to to, to to fly up there i knew in my heart that that it was the right I, I almost i was still healing i still had freaking problems from like shin splints and you got all kind of wounds when you hike 2000 miles oh, i can imagine <laughs> man
1: Can't
2: i mean i think I had emergency room visits and all kinds of stuff tons of stories about injuries and but it's a it's a it's a it's a brutal it's a long hike you get to hike uh mount whitney which is the second it's the highest peak in the lower 48 14, feet you get to do that um and just build relationships along the way and um what was funny doing it the second time that i i noticed in my photography that the pictures were not so much of me anymore of of taking pictures of the mountains and I was taking pictures of the people that were looking at the mountains. If okay. that kind of makes sense, yeah. And I was, I was, I was really starting to grow. A, a, which, which now is, a, I own a professional photography business. But I, it's where it began was on the Pacific Crest, and where where the change in my and in, in my thinking along the second trail was visible, was what came out through that in the photos. So, man, I'm thinking about people more. I'm taking longer breaks in these towns, and I'm staying with the people that I met last year. And oh. with hugs, how have you been, and I love yous, and I, I just can't tell you, for me and my recovery, the absolute single most important thing is, is other people. It's the relationships and the love of other people. And if I deny myself from them, I'm just a few. I'm just a short decision away Uh of of being back in Georgia again. You know, so it truly is the love of other people. So hiking it the second time and spending more time with people, um, it just made it even. I I found myself just not even caring about time anymore, and I was in no rush. And there was a section of the Sierra Nevada's that I recorded all this on video. That I went for almost six days and didn't see another human being, and I'm talking about remote in the Sierra Nevada, and it just it gave me time again to to for my mind to open up and, and allow God to come in and uh, and do His work.
1: Very cool, man! I love it. What an inspiration you are! I mean, seriously, it's like you know, no matter how deep to the depths that the bowels that you might be at, you know, there's always hope. And that's the one thing you always have to hang on to. And I mean, what an amazing story. So um, I I feel like I could talk to you for hours regarding this trip because it sounds like there's so much to share. Um, One of the things you mentioned real quickly, and I'd I'd like for you to, do you have any type of a website or where people can go see some of these pictures that you've taken along the way?
2: Absolutely. So um, if they go to, it's Matthew Landis, dot smugmug dot
1: com say that one more time
2: and so uh my name matthew m a t t h e w landis l a n d i s dot smugmug dot com cool now that's just a bunch of my of my photo photos i did want to mention though that um since hiking that and videoing all both times that I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail with hundreds of hours of video and, and tons and, and thousands of photographs. With the second time that I hiked the trail, the following of veterans just snowballed and became just bigger than I could control. So I reached out, was able to get some sponsorships. And since I hiked the trail in 2019, there's been three other veterans that, that came just from the exact same Sherrick Wyoming VA that hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2020 and 2021.
1: Love it. So because so of you and you know, setting the trail and pioneering the the trail, they basically did it themselves and found the same healing, hopefully, that you did. Yes, sir. And it's
2: my hope to continue that and be able to uh you know, but it's my dream to to eventually I'd love to have a nonprofit organization do something like you're doing where I can introduce veterans into the outdoors and um and use my photography and my personal story to help, hopefully introduce them to the love of Christ.
1: Cool, man. I love it. Well, there's so much that you and I could talk about. I think we could go on for another hour. But that being said, <laughs> um, I want to say <laughs> that, you know, you touched upon something in that last statement that really makes rings true. And, and hopefully other veterans who have experienced the outdoors, or maybe they never grew up with families, uh, where they they went out hunting or fishing or just in the outdoors. But, man, the outdoors has a natural healing power to it that is undeniable. Um, It's absolutely amazing. And it's the whole reason why... We do what we do in the outdoors, right? So when I started Operation um, Healing Heroes, it was actually called Operation Fishing Freedom. Um, and, And so for me, it was about trying to get veterans in the outdoors and getting them fishing. And instead of putting them into a studio with cameras and lights, right, and saying, okay, tell us your story, I wanted to put them in a relaxed environment. And since I was... Um, I, I'm a professional fisherman. I, I get to fish the, uh, the 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 Pro Musky Tour and the Pro Musky Trail, and so I'm I'm blessed to be able to do that. But um, I know what the outdoors has to offer. I know what it's like to be on that boat and how serene and how comforting it can be and how you can clear your mind and your thoughts. And, you know, whether you catch a fish or not, man, it's secondary. But the reality is, is that there's some natural healing powers as it relates to the outdoors. So whether you want to fish or if you, whether you want to just h- uh, hike or you name it, get in the outdoors and you talked about it, no yeah. isolation, man, just stay out of your own head, stay out of your basement, stay out of your bedrooms, get outside um, and walk. I mean. I don't care if you walk a mile, three miles, 10 miles a day, just get outside. There's just breathing fresh air. You know, I, I'm up here in Minnesota. Like I said, I got an, a foot and a half of snow on the ground. But you know what? When you get out and you breathe fresh air, there's a lot to be said for it. Um, winter depression is real in, in the upper Midwest. And so um, I invite all veterans to, to make sure you get outside and do what Matt is, is telling you and, and get out into what God has given us and, and enjoy it because um, it really does make you feel better. Absolutely.
2: Cool. Absolutely. There's no outdoors, man. And if anybody wanted to email me, they could reach me at landismailbox at gmail.com.
1: Landismailbox at gmail.com. I'm going to put all this stuff in the uh, description of our podcast so that people can go to it and uh um for sure and, and, and contact you. But uh I'm sorry, it was what was the email again? Landis. Oh
2: yeah, my last name, Landis, and the word mailbox. So mailbox. Landis mailbox? Yeah, at Gmail. At gmail. I was gonna say. Maybe someday our paths can cross. You can come up do some hiking with me up on the Appalachian by Mount Katahdin up here. I'll go down and see you do some fishing.
1: I love it, brother. I think it'd be it'd be a <laughs> lot of fun to do a, a TV show with you and and share your story out there because I think it's gonna really um, hit home with a lot of the veterans. Um, and and so I'm not done quite with you yet. I do. There's a couple more things I do want to ask you about because in in you and I speaking just for what. 15 minutes prior to our our, this this podcast i mean we haven't known each other very long but a lot of things interest me um, along the way There was a gentleman who gave you an american flag on one of your um and i'm not sure if it was the first time or the second time but i was wondering if you could just give us a brief synopsis of that
2: okay the 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 craziest part about that i'm not kidding you is i'm holding it in my left hand i i I took it out because i thought that the, the podcast for some reason i thought i was doing a zoom thing and I I thought maybe I'd put it up because it's beautiful, <laughs> so I'm literally freaked out that you said that. But yeah, I I was out in um, Mammoth, California, uh, hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, and it came upon my heart that I was I was about to pass through some of the most stunning areas of the Sierra Nevadas. just the photography is out of this world, and I thought maybe take a flag. So I get to Facebook, and I'm in Mammoth, and I put it out there. If anybody's got a flag. I'd love to carry it along this journey and within five minutes <clears throat> i got a i got a a message from a seventy year old retired uh na- uh excuse me marine veteran one of the kindest nicest gentlemen I've ever met he uh says where are you at I'll come up and I'll come meet you he comes up and sure enough he hands me this cotton beautiful gorgeous american flag and what i what I did with it was every summit that I hit um I stopped, I set my phone down somehow on a rock or whatever, and I took a video and I just made the 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 sentence that, that I was doing this for my brothers and sisters out there. You know, people that I love, this flag is for you guys. This is for everybody. And um, to open up the doors to come out and I would say, come, come out and hike this thing called the trail. It'll change your life. And uh, that flag is, uh, is absolutely um uh, one of the most valuable things I have in my life, brother. It's uh, it means everything to me. I love someone that, it. someone that was just to, to give me this flag and here, here he is, the 70 year old. And then he's, you know, he's slipped me a hundred bucks. You know, he's not just giving me the flag. He's just, and now he's friends with me and I, it just the love of people is just amazing. And I, hiking that trail really exposed, it, it, it showed me the love of people that I could not see. I'd never seen in my life.
1: That's awesome, brother. I love hearing that. Yes. And again, there's the next angel in your life, right? I mean, there's another person that touched you in such a way that you're going to remember it forever. And to hear that you're still talking to him to this day is, that's amazing, man. So for uh, sure. two more questions for you. Just one um, real quick. Uh, tell us about uh, CHAPS. There was an equine-assisted therapy that you had um, that you had experienced. Or, or let me know a little bit yes. about that.
2: Yes. So CHAPS is a... Uh, a equine therapy program in Sheridan, Wyoming, that <clears throat> I wound up doing some photography work for, and we went on a trip, uh, a weekend trip that kind of really, for the first time, I was able to see. I had been through the the program myself, but I had never been in an area where I uh, was able to uh, photograph other veterans going through it. <clears throat> and the the program, when you're around horses, for me. It uh, it brings out things inside that you don't know that are there. It's trust and uh, uh, just ways to experience different things, belief in things. And horses are, are amazing animals. So uh, the CHAPS program, if anybody's thinking about uh, looking into an equestrian program, I highly recommend it.
1: I love hearing that, man. And I I shared a story with you briefly when we were on the phone that day about, um, yeah. you know, I I was able to the the nonprofit of the week this this week on your on your episode of Saddles and Service because when you told me about Chaps, um, I wanted to make sure that we we definitely touch upon equine therapy because to your point. Um, I had gone to film an episode of my TV show of Operation Healing Heroes. I went to Southern California and San Diego to Saddles and Service, and and I thought I was going there to to document a veteran who was going through their program, right, and to see how equine therapy could affect post-traumatic stress and how it can benefit and that type of thing. Well, it ends up that this veteran had pretty much been through the program, the HERO program is what they call it, and now he was actually um, administering it to other veterans. And so— He ends up putting me through this program, right? A a crash course, because we we filmed for two days. Um, But that being said, he puts me through this crash course of, of, um, you know, equine therapy. And, man, (laughs) you touched upon it. Horses have this absolutely amazing way of connecting with us and and, uh, calming us and they can feel and sense everything, everything that we think, everything that we feel. Um, you don't have to say a word and these horses can, can understand it. And there's a thing called the connection with a horse. And I'm sure you, you went through it too. And, and when you connect with that horse, I don't care who the hell you are. Um, it's, it's like a, a light of, from God came down and beaming on you because, um, it is absolutely amazing. you feel so connected with that animal you know. and they understand you and they and and what that connection is is and you touched upon it, it's trust. They now trust you and yeah, man, I all I'm gonna say I don't want to go into this high horse, no pun intended, but I I didn't know how broken I was until I went and experienced this. I'm like, you know, I thought it's going to be cool, right? I love horses. I love animals, but little did I know. What it was going to do for me, and little did I know how broken I really was until I went and experienced Saddles and Service. And um, all I can say is, if you're a veteran living, you know, with PTS or a, a family member of a veteran living with PTS, get in touch with us. We will send you to Saddles and Service. Um, I want you to experience this firsthand because it's it's absolutely amazing.
2: That's awesome they They do sense your energy in a way that there's I've never experienced before. Their energy sensing is unbelievable.
1: I told you I, I, the day was over, right? We we're done filming, and everyone's back um at the ranch, like you know, relaxing, eating dinner. And here's me. I find myself finishing up dinner and having to get back down to the barn to go see my horse right? and and yeah. it's just one of those things where I'm like, just being around them and having thoughts and then having them react. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. There's so many stories I could tell you, but experience it for yourself. That's all I can tell you. So, um, man, I, I love the fact that that you're out there filming or shooting some of these equine things. And, again, any veterans uh, that, that want to experience it for themselves, get in touch with us because we'll put you in touch with, uh, whether it's chaps or, or saddles in service, and I'm sure there's uh, dozens if not hundreds of additional um, equine uh, uh, non-profits out there that help veterans with pts i know of some of them in california but uh it, it's just amazing so uh, i just sure. want to say that so all right my last yeah, question if, to you <laughs> oh go ahead no go ahead sorry oh no, no. i was just going to mention that if anybody wanted
2: any information about if they had an interest in hiking a pacific Trail or the appalachian trail or the the continental divide trail those three major trails like if they if they had any questions please feel free if they need gear i have companies that can get them backpacks tents everything well, they need to do it
1: that's where i was going next that was my last question for you was basically cool. um so when's the next time matthew landis is going to go hike the pct trail is it is there any plans to do it
2: <laughs> well last year um what happened was i i was invited by gregory backpacks to go out to what they have an event every year called trail days and that's where the it's like a three-day Woodstock event where all the vendors from every backpacking company in the in the world get get together on an island, really in Oregon. And you've got you know a thousand people around that uh, um, they're all hikers, and so these manufacturers are offering their product, whatever. Well, I went out and spoke um, about like well sharing my story, like you and I are, to be honest with you. And um so I hit that was the last time I was out on the Pacific crest. Doing that one again? That's gonna be a rough one, bro. Um my eyes are on this summer doing uh these sections of the Appalachian Trail up near katahdin and then over through New Hampshire and Mount Washington. So and for some photography uh reasons I'll be I'll be out in Colorado as well, uh in Rocky Mountain National Park when the Elk are in rut. So Very cool. no plans. For, for a, for a long distance hike. I, I actually, I hike in the PCT. The one thing it did do is at 53 in about a month, I'm getting a new hip. I, yeah. I, apparently they wear out.
1: <laughs> so, it had to take a toll on you. Like you said, I mean, I'm sure we um, could spend another hour just on stories from the injuries and, yeah. and things that you had to endure while you were doing it. But, oh, um, man. but yeah, I yeah. mean, that's, that's amazing. Um, Again, just real quick, MatthewLandis.SmugMug.com if you want to uh, see some of Matthew's uh, photography work. And then also, if you want to touch base with Matthew, um, it's LandisMailbox at gmail.com. Um, as we wrap up the show here, Matthew, I think what we're going to do is you and I will be in touch. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the, the beginning of this broadcast, there's several different non-profit, nonprofit organizations that I want to... Um, pay for you to attend, uh, to, to continue in your treatment process. Uh, so we want to be able to do that for you. But, uh, in addition to that, uh, I, I really want to, I want to touch base with you and see if we can't film an episode of the TV show with you. Um, I can honestly tell you that this season, 2023 is fairly booked. I have a call tomorrow morning with my producers and and we're trying to actually, um, we're booked, but yet I have, I was contacted this morning, um, from, a, a person from great clips who was our major sponsor who said they've got a world war ii veteran who would like to share a story so i'm trying to figure out how i can weasel in an, an additional episode a 14th episode of my tv show this year but um uh hopefully maybe next year you and i could do something where you know in 2024 i can feature you on one of the episodes because i would be honored brother i really would
2: i would share that honor with you it'd be great and if you get into a pinch here, year, somebody gets Back zone, sick or hurt, yeah. whatever.
1: Yeah, no, I yeah. appreciate that, brother. I do. Cool. Um, all right. So all right. I always close every show with asking two questions. Um, what would you say to any veteran, veteran or family member of a veteran who's listening to this show who's struggling with post-traumatic stress, addiction, anxiety? You name it.
2: I would tell them right up the bat that they are loved. Amen. That they're loved. That they're loved, man. You know, when we're in that dark spot. And if, and again, I think you know who it is we're talking to. You know who it is. You know who you are. If you're suffering and you're, and you're, we're touching you in your heart right now, it's okay to reach out for help. You're loved. So come find that help. And seriously, if you, if you just want to talk about it, just hit me up. You can email me. Uh, you can throw my number up on there. I don't care. If somebody needs help, just know that they're loved and that there's help out there. It's hard to walk to take your foot in the door. But once you do, it can change your life. It can save your life.
1: Absolutely, amen to that, brother. And then, last thing I want to ask you: any parting words?
2: Uh, you know, just that uh, I am—I feel blessed. I always want to give grace to the Lord. It's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's been part of my uh, journey that going forward, you know, I've been called to to, uh, to do some ministry, and I feel very blessed to have met you. And I, I do believe that you are one of the angels that I've, cro- I've, I've, I've crossed paths with that, that are going down in my book as, as uh, one of the most important in my life. that We met for a reason. And I really, truly, honestly believe that if we were to combine some of the stuff that we've experienced and want to do, that there's no real number of people limit to the number of people that we could help together.
1: Amen to that, brother. I couldn't have said it any better. And and man, I, I love the fact that God put us together because that's what happened. And and at the exact right time that we both probably needed it. And so, uh, stay tuned. Matt's story is not done because he's gonna he's gonna have a TV episode on on Operation Healing Heroes on Discovery Channel coming up. And uh, if not this year, for sure next year. But um, you and I are gonna keep in touch. Uh, I want to just say thank you so much for for. Being on this show, being as honest as you were, um, man, it's an honor to have have guys and gals like you on this show, and it's an honor for me to be able to to give back and say thank you to our veterans.
2: My pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure, Jason. I appreciate you, man.
1: Appreciate you, brother. All right. Well, as you know, uh, life's a journey. Sometimes it can be a struggle, but as Matt just said, there's always somebody, something, somewhere out there that wants to help you. So make sure you reach out. Don't be afraid to ask for help because it's uh, there's, there's no weakness in asking for help, trust me, because uh, you're going to get to pay it forward eventually. So um, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, addictions, um, they're silent killers, but there are ways of healing. There's organizations, as I just mentioned, that are out there that we want to help you find comfort and healing. So If you'd like more information about today's podcast, visit our website, OperationHealingHeroes.org. And until next week, when we feature another veteran, uh, I just want to say thank you all for your service to our country. Uh, You keep me and my family free. So thank you so much.
0: This week's Veterans Resource Nonprofit of the Week is Saddles in Service. Our mission is to combat the suicide rates of veterans, active-duty military, and first responders, and to promote mental health, wellness, and healing to those heroes and their families through equine-assisted learning and activities. Veterans, active duty military first responders, and their families have been diagnosed with or experiencing symptoms related to post-traumatic stress, PTSD, anxiety, depression, job-related stress, and or traumatic brain injuries are partnered with a horse through their healing journey. In turn, we help them to rediscover their joy, hope, confidence, and purpose. We lift one another up and don't break anyone down. We support each human and horse in their journey to become the best version of themselves, living a life of purpose and freedom. Visit www.saddlesandservice.org for more information. Operation Healing Heroes podcast is made possible by Sure Microphones, the leader in audio electronics since 1925. Visit them at www.shure.com and by Great Clips, the world's largest salon brand with over 4,400 locations in the U.S. and Canada. Great Clips, it's gonna be great.